Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. Just so, so good. And I don't know about you, but I can, I can look back in my life and see some pivotal moments where things changed. Uh, you know, I, I maybe, maybe I, you know, for, for some, you know, when you graduate high school, if you can remember, if you're getting close and you're getting ready to graduate high school, that's kind of like a pivotal moment. You're, you're, you're coming to the end of those four years and, and you're graduating and leaving that behind and you're entering into something new. I remember, um, getting my driver's license. That was a pivotal moment in my life. You know, because I had a driver's license and I could drive. And all of a sudden, the world became so much bigger, right? Because you're able to get around um, easier. Uh, coming of age. I mean, that's some good stuff and it could be some bad stuff. Because then all of a sudden, like, you're legal. And, and you could do things that you didn't used to do before. Like, you know, go out clubbing. <laughs> That's what we used to do back in the day. We used to go out clubbing. Um, but then we, that comes responsibilities, work. All of a sudden, you start adulting, right? And uh, move out of home. And, and, and here, pivotal, pivotal moment, marriage. Man, I got into that without even knowing what it was all about. Holy, what? You don't, right? Right? It's not just us. No, <laughs> we got married at 25. I don't think I grew up until 30. <laughs> She's like, you still work, you still grow. <laughs> she did say yesterday. I know, I know. This one was huge for me, huge pivotal moment in my life where things just changed. The birth of our first child. How many parents in the house? Huh? Like that first, oh my goodness, I was in the hospital room, went through the process, was there, participating in the way only I could, right? I mean, breathe, baby. We were <laughs> but what a magical, miraculous moment. Man, when I held my daughter, something changed inside of me. I, I like I held my mom in a whole new light, in a whole new respect for mom. Like I just, oh, I grew up like just not all the way. But I remember that moment in my life. Like these are milestones in our moments. They're pivotal moments in time that change our lives. And, and this morning we're celebrating a pivotal moment in history. History hinges on this moment when Jesus Christ was born. It truly is the pivotal moment of all of history. In fact, because it reveals his story. It's not our story. It's not your story. It's his story. God had already had a plan 
And he wrote it out through the Old Testament and the prophets and through the series of almost 1,600 years through about 40 different authors, uh, 2,500 prophecies, things foretelling of future events, 700, 800 years before they would even happen. This book stands alone in all of history because it unravels his plan. And in fact, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, if you're a secularist, an agnostic, a self-proclaimed atheist, and or a Christian, we view our calendar based upon that moment in history. It hinges on that point because everything was B.C. It was before Christ. And we live now in the times of A.D., So it's B.C. before Christ, A.D. Ah, a lot of people believe it's after death. But A.D. is actually comes from a Latin term. Anno Domini. I heard it. I heard it cried out. Anno Domini. It it means the year of our Lord. And, and, And you know what? History would try to rewrite there are people that don't, in fact, in, in, in seminary, when I was going through, people wanted to re, kind of change it. And anyone ever hear BCE? You ever heard of that? Right? Before common era? Right? Because they don't want to take this moment in time and acknowledge that Christ was born, that he fulfilled the prophecies that are based upon his life, death, burial, and resurrection. It was a historical event. You can't wipe that off of history. And you know why? As much as they've tried. Because he continues to live within our hearts. He continues to transform humanity. The greatest miracle is when, you ha- when you're a hell-bound sinner caught up in drugs and addictions and womanizing and adultery and fornication and living your life and... Sin, the wages of sin is death. It sucks the life right out of us. And as much as we try to find the happiness and the joy, it just leaves us high and dry, empty and miserable up until the moment in time that we can come face to face with Christ himself. He transforms us. It's a pivotal moment in not only in history, but in our very lives. When it comes to life, we're living right now in A.D. in Anno Domini. We're we're living within the years of our Lord. And we trace this back 2,000 years ago. But, But too many of us are living in a B.C. mindset. As if, as if he didn't come. What changed when Jesus came? If we were to open up the scriptures and we read the account in the gospel of Luke in the second chapter, verses 8 through 10, the word of the God says that that night there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, come on, just touch somebody and say, suddenly. I don't know how it happened to you or how, it, how, how it's going to happen to you if it hasn't happened already. But God is a God of suddenly. He does things in, a, in an instant. 
Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord assured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news. I bring you good news. Come on. I would almost say that this isn't even good news. This is the best news. There ain't no news that can be better. This is like the pinnacle and the top. And this is his gospel. In fact, the word gospel means good news, good tidings. And what's this great tidings? What is this good news? That will bring great joy to all nations. I don't know, but if you take a look around this room, every color and creed, every nationality, it doesn't matter culturally where you, Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel transcends culture. It transcends time. It doesn't grow old. It doesn't wear out. It doesn't fade away. This great joy to all people, all nations, that what? The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the fulfillment of prophecy has come. And he has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. What's different with Christ? B.C. days, it was all about religion. It was religion. They had religion. There were a lot of different types of religions. But what happened at that moment, when Christ came and was born in that major, everything before him was before Christ. It was before him. And it was the law. It was people trying to live things out. It was the list of the do's and don'ts, right? I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that. I don't drink. I, I, I don't smoke. I, I, I don't chew tobacco. I don't sleep around. I, I, all of a sudden, it's based upon my works and my efforts and what I do. Or the things that I don't do. See, a lot of people can do pretty good for themselves. All right, I don't, I don't drink, I don't drug, I don't do all of this, you know. I give of my time, you know. Uh, I feed people, I, I give of my money. The, the, I go to church. Oh, I go to church. But does the church save you? I mean, come on, people, not for nothing. I can stand inside my garage all day long. It doesn't mean that I'm going to turn into a Cadillac or a Tesla. I'm just trying to be eco-friendly. It doesn't transform us. It doesn't change us. You can have religion and, and, and do things because you know it's the right thing to do, but you can have a twisted heart while you're doing it. Or if you don't have religion, you just have your life and you have me and you become a, a God unto yourself. What I want, when I want, how I want it because I'm the boss. But either way, we're lost. The blind leading the blind. A.D. A.D. didn't bring us religion. A.D. brought us a relationship. 
This is when God decided in the fullness of time, come on family, that he would take off the cloak of divinity and put on the garments of humanity and walk as one of us so that we can behold the glory of the only begotten of the Father. In fact, in the book of Colossians, the first chapter, right around the 13th verse, it says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. What's the thing that weighs us down the most? You think about it. Why is it that the things that I don't want to do, I have a propensity to do them? The things that I really want to do, I wish I could do, I just can't find myself to do them. And then the sin, the, the, that conviction, you know you did wrong, and, and it gives you that ucky feeling inside, and yet, you carpamentalize that, you just deal with it, because life is life, and you're just going to continue, and, and you do, and maybe I'll do better tomorrow. But tomorrow comes and you don't find it and then the day next day and then the next day and it's wait upon wait upon wait. Unforgiveness within the heart. Not being able to look at yourself and be satisfied with yourself, content with yourself because you know you're broken. This is the dilemma. This is the dilemma of humanity. We know we're broken and we try to put on a mask and a face and live life and, and put on the smile. And when it becomes too tight, then all of a sudden we just find ourselves getting to the bottom of a bottle. Or watching things that we shouldn't be watching. Or going out clubbing to, to get it off the mind and get it off the heart. Yeah, we're going to have a good time, but then tomorrow comes and you're right back into that place. And it continues and it continues. And this is why Jesus had to come. Listen to what he says. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. When we look upon the face of Christ, we're looking upon the face of God. Where, where if we were to look at God in our sinful nature, we would be utterly consumed before His holiness. And so He made a choice and a decision. And He came as a babe in a manger. That we can behold Him and be in relationship with Him. That we can be taught by Him. He didn't come for the religious. They had religion. This, this list of do's and don'ts. Go to church. Be a good person. Go to Mass. Memorize Bible verses. Uh, listen, don't get twisted. Just because someone can memorize Bible verses and can quote them and, and spit them out doesn't mean that they're in right relationship with the Lord. The tree is known by the fruit it produces. You can talk the talk, but come on, can you walk the walk? Are you living this thing out? Because the only way you can leave this thing out is when He's living in you. You have to receive Him and allow Him to come in and take residence inside of you. So that it is no longer you who live, but he who lives in you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. Huh? They call this Christianity, but it's not because Christianity is a religion. 
The whole Christianity is following Christ, being Christ followers. Before it was Christianity in the book of Acts, they were known as the people of the way. Because they lived a certain way. They followed him. And their ways were different from the ways of the world. And it was blatantly obvious. Why? Why was it so obvious? Why were these people different? They sold off possessions. They came in as community. They began to give of themselves in sacrifice. They gathered in homes, breaking bread, loving one another, talking to one another, huh? bearing each other's burdens, putting each other first. All of a sudden, life wasn't about me. It was about him. And that's what the Bible says. Is this is how you're going to know them. Not by, not, how, not by how they can spit out verses. Not about how much Bible knowledge or how theologically sound they could be. You could have all the theology in the world. You could be a five-point Spurgeonist. It doesn't make a difference. How you living? Where's your joy? Jesus didn't come for religious people. And he didn't come to form a religion. In fact, many people mocked him. Wait, hold on a second. You call yourself the son of God? You do all of these miracles in his name? But yet you hang out with, with thieves and prostitutes, the tax collectors, the, 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 the undesirables, the ones that aren't allowed to come into temple because they're defiled. They've got leprosy. They, they, they stink. They're lame. How many churches do we have and raised up here right within this country? That would close their doors because someone has an odor on them. He was a shepherd. You know what shepherds smell like? Oh, that almost sounded like a lamb. <laughs> shepherds smell like sheep. Luke 5.32. I have not come to call the righteous. Come on, you, you self-righteous, you think that you, you, you arrived there? You know what? You don't even have the right attitude or in the right position to receive the gift of the King of Kings. We have to come to the place and recognize that we're sinners and we're broken and we need Him. He didn't come for the righteous, the Bible says, but for sinners. And He's calling the sinners to what? To repentance. So many of us, we want to we wanna, we wanna take the forgiveness of our sins, but we don't want to have him come in and change our lives. And guess what? We can't clean, clean ourselves up to come to him. We got to come to him as we are. And guess what? As Paul stated, I'm the chief of sinners. But I submitted myself to him. And, and that's why I think I was feeling just so much joy. Because I remember the pivotal moment when he came into my life. And he transformed my heart. And I think of the healing that he's brought within my family. Within my household. Jesus, you are a faithful God. Hallelujah. That's a good clap. Amen. Family, we cannot reach the lost if we are religious. Jesus loved beyond the cultural norm. And he befriended sinners. I have friends that 
They're still part of the world and they're living life the way. How can I possibly ever have a platform to speak into their lives if I can't connect with them right where they're at? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And you can only show how much you care by forming true, genuine, sincere relationships with them. Not being afraid. Oh, you know what? I just saw a pastor hanging out with, uh-uh. Yeah, I'm hanging out with, uh-uh. Because you know what? God loves him. God loves him and died for him. And if he don't know it, who's going to tell him? And who can reach them without any type of judgment within their heart? Because I know that, that there's nothing that uh-uh is doing that I haven't done. And if he was able to forgive me of it, man, I know his forgiveness extends beyond me. John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life. That they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And part of my fear in life is that a lot of people know about God, but don't know God. I ask people, hey, are you, are, are you, are you a person of faith? Oh, yeah, yeah, I believe in God. How's that working out for you? Well, you know, to me, God is. Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. No, no. To me, God is. So what are you saying? That, that, that you've formed in your mind this ideology of who God is based on what? Your feelings? Your desires? In, in your mind, that's, you've created an idol. A, a, a perception of who you think God is. But God has revealed himself very clearly through the scriptures. We don't have to think who God is. He says who he is. And we have to take him and accept him the way he is. We can't conform him or his word to fit our agenda. We have to conform ourselves to his. The word is right and I am wrong. And when my feelings are going to lead me against and contrary to the natural law of what God has declared, then all of a sudden I'm the one that's, I'm, I'm misstepping. This is why it's so important for us as a congregation to be able to come together. Why? Because whenever your feelings is going to begin to guide you away, women can surround the women, men can surround the men and be like, yo, my man, you got a little spinach in your teeth. Come on, come here. This is what the scripture says. And, and we can't do it our way. We got to do it his way. And it may not make sense and it may not feel comfortable and you may not like it. But the fact of the matter is who you living for? You or are you living for him? And if we begin to live for him, he orchestrates our steps. He blesses us. He increases our territory. He opens the doors that man can't open and closes the one that man can't close. Jesus is a miracle working God. And he guides our steps and he blesses us. But, the, but, but that's only in relation to our surrender. We got to come to the place of being tired of doing it our way. And be willing to do it his way. So many people could have the head knowledge. And be missing the heart knowledge. 
You know him of here. You have a concept of him. But if you don't know him, so many of us can miss heaven by 18 inches of... What are we going to do? We want to know him. I want to know you, Lord. Reveal yourself to me. And as you reveal yourself, then, oh, Father God, you begin to conform me and transform me. You convict my soul. You deposit your Holy Spirit inside of me. Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit inside of us. God doesn't dwell in temples made by the hands of man. He desires to dwell within the temples that he himself has created. And as broken and as fragile as we are, it is his promise that we are the temple of the Most High God. And in that relationship with him, him guiding us, telling us, oh Lord, but I don't know, and you really want me to go up and talk to that person? I, your will, not mine. And we begin to walk this thing out and, and be in relationship and be sensitive to his guiding and his leading. That's what holiness is. It's not perfection, but it's willing to have correction. Knowing that his way is better. It's not your way. It's not my way. It's Yahweh. It's God's way. And when we do it his way, man, he'll never fail us. He'll never fail us. How can you know for sure that you're going to heaven and not going to hell? How can you know? Yes, we do know. Because Romans 8.16 says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. God, we are adopted as sonship into his kingdom. He places his name upon us. This isn't religion. Religion will leave you wondering. Relationship will leave you knowing. You know that you know that you know that you have been saved because he transforms you from the inside out. You know, the things that I used to enjoy doing, man, I see it for what it is. And the things that I used to avoid in my life, man, I got a desire and a hunger for it. Like, I, I want to be righteous. I want to have integrity. And I want my character to be able to upstand and uphold. And like I said, it's not perfection. I mess up every day. Every day, I slip. You don't believe me? Ask my wife. But it's our willingness to say, God, your way, your will be done. I'm sorry, Lord. I, I, I don't, I don't want to live for myself. I, I, I know that based upon my decisions and my desires, I, I know where it's going to lead me. But my God, if you begin to guide me and allow this word to be implanted within my heart, that I can live this thing out, all of a sudden, then life changes. It's a pivotal moment. Just the way he changed the course of history, he changes the course of our lives. He's not a God that's far away and distant. He is a, he's not an uninvolved creator, just leaving this to chance. He's, he's not just watching over us. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. 
I can speak with such confidence and, 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 and have and feel this level of authority because he has proven himself time and time again doing the impossible, opening doors that only man, man can't open. He's done miracle after miracle after miracle within my life. But it had to start somewhere. And it started the moment that I laid down my life and I picked up his. Matthew one twenty three says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. This is the fulfillment of prophecy. This came out of right of, out of Isaiah. Here we are 750 years later. It being fulfilled in the life of Christ. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. Do you know that once you have him, he'll never leave you? Once you have him, he'll never leave you. I mean, he's, I, I remember uh, um, Bounds wrote the book, uh, Hound of Heaven. As much as I've tried, trust me, family, I have tried. I've tried to divert and avert. I've, I've moved and picked up my own will again. This is a daily thing. That, it's a daily decision that we have to come to. And as much as I've tried to, to run from him and pick up my will again and do, man, he's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He's always been there. And, and even when I mess up and I cry out, his faithfulness, he continues, he continues to show himself graceful and merciful and loving. He's a good God and he's a good father. And if you feel alone, trust me, he will be your companion. And if you're sick, trust me, he will be your healer. And if you feel lost, the Holy Spirit is our guide, illuminating our steps, making crooked paths before us straight. If you're hurt and broken, trust me, he is your hope. If you feel weak and at the end of yourself, you're in a good place, family, because it says in our weakness... He is made strong and he can be our strength. And if you're plagued by sin and there's something that you're trying to break out, I'm telling you that he is your savior. Luke 2.10 says, but the angel reassured them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. There's good news in this house, family. That's going to bring Great joy to all people. Come on. This isn't just for us. If we take this and we carry this out, this is, this is good news and great joy for your workplace. This is good news and great joy for your home and household. I don't know who's lost. I don't know who you're praying for, who you need to reach. But the message of the gospel transcends us. It goes beyond us. Because there is a savior, one that came to break the chains, to solve the riddle of the grave. Whether we die or live, that's the, that's the experience. This is how you know when, when, when death no longer has a hold on you. When you don't fear death and you recognize and realize whether you live or die, you live. We live. What can the devil, what can the devil do to you? Once you recognize this and realize this truth and grab a hold of it, what can this life throw at you that God hasn't already resolved? 
there is good news. For unto us a child is born. And he is the perfect Lamb of God that can resolve your plague, can remove the guilty conscience, and can wipe the slate clean, setting us free. <laughs> I thought of the pressure and all of the weight and the guilt that I carried throughout my life. And because there wasn't a resolution for it, it brought me deeper and deeper into it. And every boundary that I said I would never do, I would never cross. I crossed time and time again, going deeper and deeper into sin, deeper and deeper into a lawlessness and a lifestyle of death, disease, destruction. My God, up until the point where I had nowhere else to go, facing 25 to life. But God will come to you in your moment of weakness at the place where you're at the end of yourself. Open up your heart to him and watch how he will come in, fill you with such joy and love and, and a true, true confirmation that you are saved. You think that you're lawless? You think that you're, you're, you're forgotten? He wants, to, he wants to put his cloak upon you. He wants to put the signet ring, give you the power of attorney of the kingdom. He wants to call you daughter and son and empower you to live a life, to cast out the strongholds of hell, to reach planes that you never thought you would even be able to possibly reach. He'll open those doors and close the ones. He will block every attack of the enemy and he will allow you to walk on water. Everything before him was B.C. And everything after him was A.D. Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. Family, is he Lord of your life this morning? The Peak Community Church is a young, vibrant, life-giving church in the heart of Peekskill. Come and visit us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. at the historic Elks Club, 1038 Brown Street. Thank you for listening.